на трибунах холеют знамена, Облака под небесни плывут на зеленом ковре стадиона. Hello and welcome to the Russian Football News Podcast. Sorry it's been a bit of a long gap between this one and the last one, but we do have lives outside of Russian football, which sounds pretty incredible, but actually we do have normal lives and we're not complete shadows. But anyway, that just leaves me to introduce my two guests. And of course, it's the, the regulars are back and it's the website editor, Toka Thiele, first of all. Hey, Tom, it's good to be back. Good stuff. And uh, we also have the writer from Russian Football News, Andrew Flint. Hey guys, good to be back into the swing of this. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so, what the plan is today? We've got a couple of topics lined up just for the listeners' uh, benefit. We're going to be looking at the newly promoted teams. Well, I say newly promoted. We're actually virtually halfway through the season now. So, we want to see how they're getting on, essentially. And then we're looking at Krasnodar. They're on a bit terrible run of form lately. And then we're going to finish off by looking at um, Konstantin Sarnia, the Zenit Sporting Director, who sadly passed away recently. So, we'll be talking a bit about his legacy. So, um, First of all, let's get into the, the meat of the newly promoted team. So just for a reminder, just in case you've forgotten, uh, we're going to be looking at Torsner, Dinamo Moscow and Scar. Now, Torsner and Scar, of course, are the first, the maiden Russian Premier League season. But, um, Toka, let's start with Dinamo, actually. I'm thinking here, because we know Kirill Panchenko, their top goalscorer from last season, is out for, until March, I think. But what for you? It's a good season for them because they're currently sitting above the relegation zone, which for a newly promoted team is pretty good. But with a, t- a reputation like Dinamo's, should they be looking to push on a bit more or do you think survival is just a good achievement? Well, I think before the season, they, there were some really big expectations for Dinamo and they were, proud, they were unrealistic. I mean, people had unrealistic expectations for the return because Dinamo, when they were going to to battle for a, a spot in the Europa League or something like that. I mean, that was completely unrealistic. And as you said, yeah, I mean, they, they are above the relegation zone. That's all right. But I still, they have underperformed. I mean, they have a good squad. And they still, I believe it was um, the chairman of the Sports Society who recently explained that they still had one of the highest budgets in the league. I mean, I think they were like seventh or eighth, something like that. So they should be, they should be higher up the table. Um, of course, I mean they lost they lost Panchenko, as you said, and they are still really they're really struggling with uh, with the years of uh, of Vita Bank and Boris uh, Rosenberg and 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 all those years where they just spent way too much money and eventually were punished for it. Then those years they're still holding the club. I mean, I, I recently wrote a piece on uh, Pavel Pogrebniak, and just seeing him on the bench for every single Dynamo game that's a constant reminder for the fans of of how the club has well fallen into chaos i mean they still have these huge salaries in the club they still they have a few players who earn way too much money compared to what they contribute with uh, and progrebniak is one of them furthermore they still owe jan and villa tons of money for when when they broke the contract they signed with him so they have all these problems from the the, the previous uh, administration which the club is still battling with um the latest news is that they hope to be out of debt by december but We'll see. But then if, if that it happens, they can finally start looking forward and try to plan a bit ahead. But right now, they're just trying to, to stay above the water. I mean, you say out of debt by uh, December, but I'm, I'm re- reading your piece, actually. I read it today. Am I right in thinking they're actually in something like 150 million euros worth of debt? That seems highly unlikely to be overcome in two months. No, I believe that was last season, if I remember correctly. Uh, they have... They have lowered they have lowered the debt since then and they're still paying off and from what I understand they'll get some one time payments from Vita Bank, the, the former owner, 
to, to really help pay down the loans and, and the debt. But they still owe the players a lot of money from all the all the money they went without being paid. So it, it's just a terrible situation. I mean, I, I, re, I read earlier today that when um, when Jonov played for the club last season, he, he moved to, to Siska this season, of course, he earned like 1.5 times more than Akinfeld did at Siska. And I mean, we have Akinfeld, who is one of the greatest Russian players in the last 20 years. And then we have Alexei Jonov, who's has never done anything, if we're honest, and Ionov earned that much more than I can say for me. I think that's the perfect illustration of how crazy the situation was at the Dynamo. Yeah, and Andrew, the same question to you, really. Does just mere survival represent a good season for Dynamo? I mean, I'm looking at their last couple of fixtures here, just to put a bit of context in it for the listeners. They did win last time at home to Skarhabarovsk, who, of course, we'll get on to. But prior to that, they'd only drawn one of the last four in all competitions, losing the other three. So what was, in your view, Andrew, would be a, a decent target for Dynamo, really, looking at this halfway stage now? Well, it's a good question, actually, to be fair, Thomas, because I was one of those at the beginning of the season who had very high hopes. And I think in the round table at the beginning of the season on the website, I think most of us, I certainly was one of them, suggested that Dynamo would be the most successful and most comfortable of the newly promoted sides. Um, at this stage, I'd say... I, I'd just say survival, you know, hopefully a stress-free survival. Um, so if they can pick up their form and move up towards, you know, 10th, 9th in the table, that would be a, a fantastic season, I think. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, as long as they, well, just if they if they win through the relegation promotion playoffs, that would still be um, a decent target. But it's it's like Toka says, this, this, it, you always get a feeling that they are possibly either just simply restrained by what debts they have and also possibly they're concerned about returning to the days when they did spend too much money on all those foreign stars that had to leave two years ago after the financial fair play and don't forget there's a new stadium of course as well that will hopefully um, help them uh, regain whatever debts they may have once they move into that. I don't know when they're likely to to play in that, but I very much doubt it'll be before the end of the season. Um, if it is, then it probably won't be for much of it. Um, so, success this season for me, yeah, just very simple um, survival, really. Um, and at this stage, I think Dynamo fans would be would be grateful for that. Yeah, just a quick question to both of you, really. I mean, I'm looking at the sort of the tables on Soccer Stats, which is quite a good website for those people who don't know about it. Um, Dynamo have mainly got their points at home. They've taken 10 from seven home games and only three from six away matches. I mean, Toka, that away form has got to be sorted out. And, and actually, just to sort of test you a bit, how do you think they can sort that out? That doesn't really... I mean, that, I think that when you look at that form... It, I think that's a picture of almost all the Russian clubs. I mean, perhaps with the exception of Senate and Spartan and Siska, who can go anywhere and win, they'll all be much, much stronger at home and then lose their away games. Uh, of course, it, it's a really important for Dynamo Moscow because you, you have to pick up the difficult points if you if you want to move up the table. Um, I think much of it really comes down to, to quality. Um, they, just, they just got a new head coach, and I think the results are improving slightly. I mean, they did perform well against this cattle recently. They beat uh, Scar, who we're going to talk about later, uh, last weekend. Um, I think we could see them perform a bit better now with the new new coach and, and everything. But at the end of the day, I mean, 
Dynamo is, is just not that good a football team. I mean, they're not better than the rest of the the, the sub top teams in the league. So going to uh, Piam or uh, Ufa or whatever uh, mid mid table team and winning it's it's just extremely difficult because they they are under, basically at the same level. So yeah, they it will require something extra for them to do that, and I just don't think they have that at the moment. Andrew, Toka mentions there the change in manager. We've got uh, Dimitri Hoklov come, who's come in. Do you think that was that's a, a right move for them, really, to have a new coach on board? Do you think that will help them? Um, well, it, it's a difficult one, really. I'm not I'm not entirely sure it was was necessary because, I mean, yes, our preseason expectations were higher, but perhaps we were a bit over ambitious. Where they are, it's not a it's not an embarrassing position in the table. They, um, they've, they've actually got a reasonable, good, reasonably good home form. Um, you know, they, they don't concede many. Um, they did lose, of course, to Ural Yekaterinburg, but then you have to expect that because Ural are one of the best teams in the league, of course. So, um, usually yeah, I berate you for that, but looking at the table, you can't really argue <laughs> against that. To be fair, <laughs> no, but I mean, okay, in, in all seriousness, um, I don't, I don't think it was entirely necessary. Um, although the only thing I would say is, at least if you're going to make this sort of decision, it's better to make it now than with you know just five or six games of the season left. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you've got to look at them. Okay, they're on, they're in the relegation playoff zone, but they're only four points off seventh in the table. It's a very tight table. It always is. You know that's the nature of having only a 16 team league, and like Toka mentions, a lot of teams struggle away from home and ends up evening out. Um, well, compressing, if you like, the middle of the table. So it's not like they're, they're only a couple of results away from very comfortable mid-table status. Um, and they've not been playing that badly. Away from home, yes, you mentioned the away record. And and quite honestly, I think that comes with simply surviving a season, getting used to it again, because they don't forget they had all last season um, with a largely similar first-choice eleven who were comfortable being the best team in the league by some distance or very nearly anyway um so they've had to readjust their mentality perhaps it's a mentality thing um so in that sense maybe a new manager was the right idea um so we'll see how hocklock does um but I, I don't think it was entirely necessary but it's not the worst time to make this sort of decision if you see what i mean so i just want to sort of any any closing comments on dinamo from either of you by the way before i move on to Torsten? Well, I, th- I personally, I would just add one little thing. I think the loss of Panchenko is a huge, huge loss. I've been a big fan of his since, um, well, since he he joined um, Cisco, was it two or three years ago, and they, in my opinion, scandalously underused him. So replacing him is going to be a challenge. Um, I don't know how they're going to do it, but um, if they can get him back for March, they might be okay. But if he's if his injuries runs over, then they could be in serious trouble. Actually, I think. Okay, so let's move on to Tosna now, one of the, the debutants in the Russian Premier League, only founded uh, a few years ago, really, um, playing their games at Petrovsky Stadium, of course, the old St. Petersburg, Zenit St. Petersburg Stadium, as their own ground in uh, Leningradsko Oblast is not seen as fit enough to host Premier League matches. And Toka, personally, I, I saw Tosna earlier this season. I saw them do really well against Siska Moscow, even though they eventually lost that game. And they've really impressed me this season, I think. Just fantastic. You look at the likes of uh, Anton Zabalotny and Yevgeny Markov, who've got Russian national team calls. 
And for a team so inexperienced, not just in Russian Premier League, but just in football in general, they've been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and it really is a pleasure to see a team playing this many young Russian players. Um, they get the regular playing time that we've, we've talked about for so many on so many episodes. Um, and now we finally get to see a team who, who fills some young Russians and some players who, who didn't quite make it at the big clubs and now they go to Tosmer and perform really well and, and they're being rewarded for it. It, it. It's a pleasure. My only my only concern about the club is, I mean, but how big is the potential really? I, I can't really determine yet. I mean, we have seen it. It's a club that's moved forward. There's no doubt about that. And they have done very well this season. But I mean, what's the limit for them? They don't even have their own stadium yet. So it's 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 a bit difficult to judge them, I think, because they don't even play in the in their home city. So they still there's still a lot of work that needs to be done at the club before we can really see them as a a serious Premier League club, in my opinion. I mean, that, that's simply too much. I mean, also because it's a young club, it's uh, they're only a few year, few years old. So they don't really have their own academy yet. We don't we don't know that much about how the whole structure of the club works. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really interested to see how it, how how uh, it will proceed. How what Tottenham look like in five or ten years? But uh, for right now, I'm I'm still a bit worried. I mean. They've done well this season, but I'm, I'm unsure whether they can become a, a stable and a regular Premier League club. Andrew, you may have noticed something there. I turn into the optimist and Toka just persisted with his negativity. But hopefully you're going to sort of join me on my side and give Tosno lots of praise. Obviously, feel free not to, but that's, that's my position. <laughs> well, I mean, my experience of Tosno is from their time in the Feniel and... They they stand out for me in in all the time I've watched lower league Russian football as the two of the, the two best teams I've seen with them and Gazvik Orenburg. Um they they were just an absolute class above when they came to Tumen. Um and the fact that <clears throat> the fact that it's, it's a young club, the fact that they as far as I understand are not are certainly not predominantly funded or backed by state government um, is a major plus. I think it's a success story for that alone. And I really, really hope that they, they do grow. Although I do understand your concerns about the, where's the potential to grow. That's an unknown quantity. Um, you know, they, I'm almost, I'm almost wondering um, whether depending on how successful this season is and whether they still have to play at the Petrovsky next season, whether they might even, I, I don't like this, I hate this concept, but whether they permanently move to St. Petersburg to try and get a piece of the St. Petersburg market. But then on the other hand, that might be a bit of a, a waste of time because they need to just for so long and so, so completely are synonymous with the whole city. The other thing, um, so, sorry, Andrew, yeah, and, the other and, thing Dino, and Dinamo are number two exactly, in that city, so they'll be number three. Token. I was about to say exactly and, that, and they're doing very well in the FNAL this season. <clears throat> well, they are. I mean, could you imagine this then? Could you imagine if Dinamo Moscow, uh, so Dinamo St. Petersburg were promoted and they have a very good chance of doing that, and Tosno, and if Tosno still had to play in St. Petersburg, then suddenly you've got three teams in one city. I mean, my, my friend Paul lives in St. Petersburg and he's um, he goes to Tosno games and Zanit games, actually, and he's he's basically noticed a fairly flat atmosphere at the moment in most home games um, for Tosno, which is understandable. You know, Petrovsky is, is a historic emblematic stadium linked to another team, but 
I just I wonder what you guys think. What do you guys think actually? Do you think there is potential for two or even three Premier League teams in St. Petersburg in theory? Um I think I agree with you on the atmosphere thing. Like I said, I went to see them against Siska and it was a bit flat, but I think that's also because there were a lot of fans, Zenit fans actually in there. And you could tell because they all had the Zenit scarves on. Um, coming in just to come and watch a game of football, basically, because I think Zenit were playing the next day or they played the day before. I can't remember. It was the weekend of the Spartak derby, actually. So Tosla on the Saturday and Zenit were on the Sunday. That was it. But you mentioned the stadium thing. And if Dinamo, St. Petersburg get promoted next season, then they will... Ass- more than likely use Petrovsky so you'd have two teams in the same stadium because they can't use Malay Arena in the Premier League it'd just be ridiculous in terms of your three Petersburg teams idea I think if Dinamo stayed in the Fenel they could probably trial a move to Petersburg Tosna but I think the fact that Dinamo are so close to promotion I don't think it's worth the risk for them yeah no, I mean it's 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 only it's only just an idea for the top of my head. I mean, not that I actually think it's a good idea, but I'm wondering whether that's what they might be thinking, just purely for sustainability. Um, if the stadium has been such a problem in Tosna itself, then the fact that Petrovsky is ready-made, and if if the season goes well, as in if they build up a bit of a following within St. Petersburg, but then I, I just I loathe the concept of moving a team, just lifting it and. Mo- placing it in another city i just can't stand that concept so i don't i don't support that in one sense but if it means the survival of the team and the health and you talked about the potential what what is the maximum potential for tosna if that's the only way to do it then in the end you'd have to say well it might be something that needs to be considered i mean toko that's an interesting question that andrew poses there what's your thoughts on it i mean i really like you andrew i do I think you're you're a good guy, but but I think this I, I think it's it's a terrible I think it's a terrible idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I totally. By the way, I totally agree with Andrew on the whole moving teams thing. I'm actually going to watch the NFL this weekend to see uh, LA Rams, who were the St. Louis Rams, have been various other teams in the past, and I feel now that I mention it, I feel slightly disgusted to be honest. But <laughs> well, I think maybe if Tosno has some sort of. Uh, all historic rooms in St. Petersburg, they could move there. But if they move to St. Petersburg, it'll be a completely new club. They wouldn't have any fans. They wouldn't have, I mean, right now the, the stadium is practically empty. Uh, they wouldn't have anything. They would just come to St. Petersburg, be the third team. And they, would, they wouldn't get, I mean, they wouldn't get a piece of the of the cake of the spot, local sponsors or anything. I mean, I would say it's much better to, to move back to, to the city where people actually support them and be, but they have a local foundation and where they have people who go to the stadium and who are proud of the club rather than just moving to the biggest city they can find and, and place third or fourth string. I mean, I take, I, I, I do think, it, I do think it's a, I'm not sort of, what I mean to say is not that I want it to happen, but just, um, I do hate the idea in one sense, but the only reason I mention it is just purely if it is, if it turns out to be the only viable option to allow the club to grow as in, to you know, to not have the burden of trying to fund their own stadium being expanded, they've already got a ready-made one there. Um, if it's the only option, and I do mean if, then it, I think it would make a, a difficult decision, shall we say? I, I, I fully understand what you're saying. I agree with you on the whole. You know, this is why I say I hate the idea of moving a, a club to another city. But um, I'm just wondering whether it's if it comes to a choice of the only way to grow is to move into a bigger city where they think long-term will build up a base and we've got the stadium ready, Petrovsky, um, 
is that a decision worth making? I, I don't know. I'm torn. I'll be honest. I don't think they should, but it may be may end up being the most practical thing. I don't know. No comeback from Toka. That's rare. Um, <laughs> but just coming back to this season, guys. Um, just look at just before we move on to Scar, because I want to make sure we get the other topics in as well. Um, with regards to Tosna still. I mean, we obviously know survival is going to be the aim. And just a quick answer from both of you, really. I'm looking at the, the recent fixtures, and they've only lost one of their last five Russian Premier League games, but they've drawn too many, really. So, quick question for both of you. Will they survive? I mean, Toko, I'll come to you first. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the reason form matters that much because it's still a very long way to go to the season. I think they'll stay up. They'll at least finish in the uh, in the playoffs. But I, I see Angie and, and uh, Sky as, as much worse teams. So I think I think Tasna will, will stay up. But of course, depends on, on the playoff who they'll meet and all that. But for now, they'll, I, I don't, they'll definitely not be on the automatic relegation spots. Can't wait to hear why you think Scar is so terrible. When again, I'm I'm going to praise him again in a minute. But Andrew, what about your thoughts on Tosna's survival hopes? I know I know it is early, as Toka says, but we've still got to put it out there. Um, yeah, no, I, I share Toka's sentiments on this one. I, I I would find it very hard to believe that that Tosna will go down. Certainly not automatically. I find that uh, that would be an absolute disaster. That would um, obviously, um, but I just don't see it happening. I think I think they'll survive. They may have to go through the playoffs, but because they're a very effective team, they have been in the Fenel level. They won't have really, I don't think, any trouble um, seeing off whoever comes through the playoffs there. Um, so, yeah, I'd be reasonably confident of them staying up, possibly without needing a playoff. But if they do, I think they would survive anyway. Okay, so let's move on to Skarhabarovs. They were the sort of the big story when they got promoted because this club in the Far East, all the other Premier League clubs were thinking, oh God, please don't get promoted. And they did. And Toka, I know you probably, you maybe think differently, but I personally think they, although they are in the bottom two at the moment, I think given the expectations at the start of the season, they have acquitted themselves fantastically. Important to remember as well, they lost a couple of players. We saw Juan Lescano leave, of course, who I actually, in my season preview for Scar, tipped to be a big player, but then he left about two days later. So that was quite disappointing. I mean, what are your overall thoughts on them then? Oh, they've, they've done very well. I mean, they've done, actually, they've done as expected. I mean, they've been really good at home winning against um, Rostov and, and Angie, and they've actually done better away than, than I thought, I'll be honest there. Um, I thought they would have more trouble when playing away from home, but they've done they've done really good, and they haven't suffered any heavy defeats. So they've been a, they've been a nice, nice surprise, uh, no doubt about that. I mean, Andrew, Toka mentions the home form there, and it is a bit, it is a bit of a cliche saying, oh, they're in the Far East, people find it hard to get to. But to be fair to them, they've turned that cliche into a reality, unbeaten in their last five at home. So making the Lenin Stadium a real fortress there. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, I don't think there's any shame in, in, a, in taking that approach because when you're a club of that size, they are up against it on so many levels. The, the, what thing, we've mentioned this before. Yes, teams have to travel there, but they only have to travel once a season, whereas Scar have to do it, okay, not quite 15 times a season because some of the fixtures are grouped together. But you know what I mean? They're the ones who have to travel all the time um, on a limited budget. And, and can you imagine trying to persuade anybody of reasonable class to actually come all the way out to Khabarovsk, it would be virtually impossible to to encourage foreigners to join them um, of any decent quality. So they're always going to be up against it. So 
you know, why shouldn't they be, you know, play safe um, and make their their home games an absolute fortress? And they, to be fair to them, they've scored two goals from the last two home games. Um, against Rostov and Akhmat are two very decent sides. Um, so, you know, they've, they've really earned that. And um, I think, I don't know, I think they will struggle long-term simply because they rely quite heavily on their home form, understandably, but they do. And they're not really going to pick up a great deal of points away from home. So um, I think, you know, it's, it's a risky, it's a risky long-term form because although it looks solid, they, they need to have more than just being solid over the course of a whole season. Um, so unfortunately, I think they are likely to be there or thereabouts in the position they are now. Um, you know, you look at the sides above them and who is going to drop below them. Um, Dinamo possibly might struggle without Panchenko. Um, Amkar, okay, yes, they, they've been they've improved in recent weeks. They, they're never going to score a lot, but they are very good defensively. Um, can you really see Rostov dropping down, Rubin dropping down, Akhmats? And none of those are likely to drop much further. So really, they've got one or two chances at best to survive. And I think they'll find that difficult. Yeah, Toka, just coming to you on that home form, you mentioned the home form when we were talking about Dinamo earlier and saying, oh, well, the away form for them isn't that much of a problem. Do you think it's different with Scar at all? Because I'm just trying to think, you said said it wasn't important for Dinamo, but then Andrew sort of says that it's it's important (laughs) for them. Do you see what I'm trying to say? It it depends on how good their home form is, really. I mean... Just for the listeners, their, their yeah. home form, um, they've taken nine points from six games. That's better than the likes of Krasnodar, who will come on to, Amkar and Rossov, who have all been traditionally very good at home. I mean, if, if you can pick up enough points at home to, to stay in the league, then they'll be fine. That's something we've seen many teams do before, as you said, uh, Rostov and, and Amkar, when they were in the bottom of the league a few years ago. Uh, all the teams who who survive relegation are always really good at home. There, that's the team who who managed to, yeah, as you said earlier, make a fortress of the home field. I mean, and that's what, for example, Arsenal Tula under Alenicev failed to do. They suffered some heavy defeats at home. That's what Tobito Moscow failed to do. But they were up. Um, but so far, it's looking good for for Sky in the in the league. They have done very well at home. They drew against Barzak, for example, and. And they've even managed to to get a few points, for example, against Ural away. So, at the moment, it's, it looking it's look it looks good for them. My only worry about them is well, it's a bit the same with as with Tasna. I mean, what's the potential in the club? Tasna, at least we have a club where they play in. They they have some good players and and they have a private owner, so they have a few things going for them. While Scar's only strength is really that they play that they are in the far east, and that's also one of the biggest weaknesses. They don't have a particularly strong squad. They don't really have any really big profiles. And I mean, for now, I think it's it's funny we have a have a team from the far east in the Premier League, but I don't I don't see any noteworthy potential in in uh, in Scar. So I think I think well maybe they'll survive this season, but they'll definitely not be around for the long run. Just a quick question for both of you then. I mean, Toker, I'll come to you second because you just had that. Um, Andrew, do you think Scar are good for the Premier League? Well, <clears throat> sorry, pardon me. I'm not entirely sure, really, because, I mean, out of curiosity, it's interesting. Um, but in terms of the practicalities of them being in the league, I- I'm torn, really, because 
it is a long way. It does make a very odd lead, but then the size of Russia is, is is unique, obviously being the biggest country in the world. So they've earned the right to be there, so they should be in the league. And in a way, I think I think they are good for the league because it's an example of how you know how a club can can you know fight against the odds, and that's a positive story. It's got to be. Um, you know, I'd rather see them than you know a complete mess of a club like Angie stay in the league. I, I I just I have a thing against Angie. It's not just because of that moral vacuum in charge, Vadim Skrichenko, but you know the actual club itself. The amount of transfer dealings that they go through and the the mixed messages we get. What's the direction of the club? You know. A few years ago, it was, you know, expensive foreigners. Then they get relegated. Then they keep some foreigners. Now they want local players. And they, they're still turning over 30, 40 players every transfer window. At least with Havados, there's there is an identity of sorts there. And that's the sort of club I want to see there. So to answer your question, I'd say, yes, I think they are good for the league. The teams whinging about going all the way out there should just really get a reality check and think, well, you've got to do that once. You've got to do that once all season. and. I mean, I know, it's, I know it's not, obviously it's not mathematically true, but the, if you think you're on a plane and you've got to go four hours or seven hours, is there really a huge difference? They're both long journeys. They're both on planes. So I just think people should not be, not complain so much. They've earned the right to be there. If they stay up, then they should stay in the league. And I think that's good for the league. Yeah, I'm not trying to belittle Scar or anything by this question, if any sort of Scar fans or members of the, the club themselves are listening by any chance. But I'm just putting the question out there, really, and I'm sure I reflect the rest of the Russian football news team when I say we're not sort of belittling or asking them to get kicked out. I think it's just an interesting question to pose. So I'm going to pose it to you as well, Toka. Well, I, I don't, I really don't mind that Scar plays in the Far East. I mean, it's a Russian club, so they should, they're playing in the Russian Premier League. There's, there's really shouldn't be any discussion about that. I think Akinfev's uh, legendary comment about Vladivostok, whether they should play in the, in the Japanese league uh, many years ago, was. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, Russia's a big country. That's that's just the way it is. But trying to your question, it if if they're good for the league, I mean, and this has nothing to do with geography. I just I don't really see much potential in the club. I mean, for example, if we look at the FNL, a club like uh, Krilya, for example, that's that's a club with a lot of potential, a lot of fans, a strong uh, foundation, and I just don't see Ska have had the same appeal um, neither to them uh, to the local fans but also to the opponents. So. I'd say there are some there are some other clubs that much rather have in the Premier League. Okay, but again, it, it has it has nothing to do with the geography. It's just it's basically just the way the club is run and and the limits of potential. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to yeah. get Camus a bit of opinion on it, really. And just quickly before we move on to to Krasnodar, our second topic, uh, quick from both of you, will they survive this season? We'll start with you, Andrew. Um, on balance, I'm going to have to say no. I would love to say yes, but I just don't think. They're, I don't think they're going to overhaul the teams above them, and so therefore, I think no, I think they will go down. And Toko, you? Yeah, I have to agree with Andrew. He's a very smart guy. Not a, <laughs> he wasn't very smart about 15 minutes ago <laughs> when you were arguing with him. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's move on to the second topic. We're moving right up to the other end of the table, really, with Krasnodar sitting in fourth. But that's a bit of a false position, really, because they've lost their last four on the bounce. So, I mean, what on earth is going on here? I mean. Toka, we were talking beforehand, before we came on to the podcast, I say on air, but we're not really on air. We said, and I'll put this to you as well, Andrew, that this is really 
ahead of the situation over the last few months, really, stretching back to last season, poor Europa League qualification campaign, and it's all come to a head now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important when we talk about Crescent that we don't talk about it as a current issue. I mean, this is not something new. This has been going on for a long time. In my opinion, it goes all the way back to when they signed, uh, when they hired uh, Shalimov as the new head coach. Uh, before he he he, he worked at Crescent, uh, he had a very limited head coaching um, experience. He coached a few lower league teams and some women's teams, but nothing comp- nothing of the size of a top Premier League side. So. Suddenly uh, being in charge of, of a club like Krasnodar is a major step up for him. And he just hasn't, he just isn't good enough. I mean, it's as simple as that. He was a great player, but he's, in my opinion, he's a very limited coach. Um, Krasnodar, they just, they have a fantastic squad. They have some really good players. Uh, Smoller, for example, they have a lot of resources. So they have good youngsters that can buy uh, great players and, and they pay the players on time. So, we all know how, how big of an advantage that is in Russia, just being able to pay your players on time. Uh, and that's why they're in the top. Uh, in my opinion, it has very little to do with Shalimov as a coach, but it's simply because the league is so uneven that just paying on time and having a good squad, that's, that really is enough to, to finish in the top. I mean, a few years ago, we, we spoke so much about uh, Krasnodar and when they would be in the Champions League and when they would win the league. And they had that one season where they were minutes away from from finishing second and qualifying for the Champions League, but since then it has only gone downhill. And it, right now, it doesn't. It, it's not a club that's improving. It's a club that is uh, stagnated. Really, they're they're not moving forward. They're moving sideways, and it is it is depressing to see because there's so much potential in the club, and they're just not exploiting it. Yeah, I mean, Andrew Toka mentions the word potential there, and I was going to sort of come on to. We've spoken a lot in the last year, a couple of years, really, about this huge potential, this project at Krasnodar. And I'm thinking, when are we actually going to see the fruits of this labour? Is it? Um, this last four games has just proven that it's not. Doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon. Well, I don't know about that because they have started to bring through the first few youth players from the the brilliant academy that they've had set up. Um, yeah, for Magomed Sulaiman. Just to mm-hmm. mention for the listeners, their youth team won nine nil the other night in the Champions in the European competition, didn't they? I think. Right really? I, I didn't actually see that result. Yeah, I, think, That's, I, think um, I can't remember who it was against. Toka, do you remember who that was against? No, I'm sorry. No, but they, they did win um, 9-0, so I'll just let you have that. Well, I mean, the the, the, the point is that, um, you know, we know, we all know that Sergei Galitsky is a very different owner to most in the Premier League. He does seem to actually understand football um, in the sense that he, he knows that long-term... Um, and, and partly for his own finances, he doesn't want to be plying low millions and millions in forever. He knows that to be more sustainable, they've got to have a great academy. And it's not just an academy, but the system where they have satellite academies all through Krasnodar Krai, that they've completely taken over the any chance that Kuban Krasnodar had of getting the best youngsters in the region. Um, and it, we are starting to see some, just very, very slowly, some signs of of actual end product here um ignatiev and and sulimanov uh, have come through um you know both young teenage forwards looking you know they, they they got a bit of confidence about them you can tell when they're on the pitch they're not finished article of course not but they really do genuinely have potential but what i would say overall is i do agree with um, what toka said about them seemingly stagnating because the, the trajectory they were on they should be in the Champions League by now. 
and they really should. The squad they've got is okay. Zanit on paper have the best squad, and Spartak is not far off. But I would argue Krasnodar's on paper is is not that far off. Um, Spartak's. Um, you look at some of the players they've got in. You know, Okriashvili. Okay, he's been injured for a while, but he's the Georgian playmaker. Um, once the new Wanson who's come in looks absolutely electric. Um, yeah, Andre Ivan. We've not really seen much of him at all. He's been injured a lot. This young Romanian winger, um, and then you've got the youngsters coming through. Victor Klass and Pavel Mamayev when he comes back. It is. It's a. It's a brilliant squad. They really should be doing better. Um, and actually, I also agree with Toka, who. Incidentally, is also a very intelligent man. Um, that um, Shalimov is. <laughs> you're welcome, boss. You're welcome. Um, that uh, yeah, Shalimov is the problem. When Shalimov came in, the run of results were just just terrible. I think they won something like two or three out of his first ten games. I think it was. Um, so Shalimov, as far as I'm concerned, he really ought to be. Well, if not out the door, then they should be looking very, very carefully at what their options are for manager. Just, I'm going to fire this question back to you, Andrew, because you're you're the big Fyodor Smolov fan, and the run of results recently has <clears throat> coincided with a drop in form from Smolov, who hasn't really been finding the back of the net. So, does that just show that Krasnodar rely too heavily on him? And if he were well, to leave, which he was predicted to in the summer, then they'd be in even deeper trouble, probably. Well, I mean, I'd say probably that's not far off the truth, and but it shouldn't be. You look on paper, yes, he is the best player, um, and he is the big name, and we have all expected him to leave. Um, but it's not like they don't have enough quality there to, at the very least, support him ably, you know, so that if he is injured, they've got enough people to come in, because they, they do have enough to come in. Um, you've got a forward line that could include anyone, let's say, three-man forward line that they tend to play. Any any three of Wonson, Jauzinho, Podbirozkin, um, Victor Klassen, Ricardo Laborde, Suleimanov, Ignatiev, Andrei Ivan. I mean, you're talking like two or three teams worth of attacking lineups. Um, that should be enough to cope with either a drop in form or an absence of Smolov. Um, but... I think you're probably right. And I think it's, it is a concern that a manager is not able to get at least half of the potential out of the attacking talent he has on display because they, they just don't. And well, certainly not recently. Um, so yes, it is a concern. And Toka, just to, I'm going to play a bit of devil's advocate here and say we're getting a bit carried away here because two of those matches were against Siska and Zenit, who we all know about the Siska not so much, of course, but Zenit's budget is just huge. And Siska, of course, have this formidable reputation in Russia where they somehow, despite their really low budgets, they do keep coming out on top all the time. And are we perhaps getting a bit carried away here? No, because as I said, it's not really about the last four games. It's about a longer period of time. For example, at the start of the season, they, they didn't even reach the Europa League playoff. They were sent out by Red Star. And last season, they were lucky to just qualify for Europa League football. So there's simply the club is getting worse and worse, and it's uh, it's depressing to follow, really. So no, it's it's not about them beating Senate or Osesca. It's it, it is a much bigger issue, and it would be a, a big mistake to to make it into just a few a handful of games. Really, that would that would completely overlook the the size of and seriousness of the problem. And um, just to sort of round off the Krasnodar topic, if you like. Andrew, just I'll, I'll bring Toka back in as well. 
looking at the next few fixtures, they've got Loco away next, then they've got Scar at home, then Tosno away, then Spartak at home, and then Ural away, and that goes up to the 26th of November. Um, where do you see any points coming from that? I mean, usually on paper you can judge, but when you're in such a bad reign of form, you think even those weaker games, for example, I'm looking at uh, Scar at home, you mm. might, uh, you know, might not fancy it so much. Well, it's it's not an easy run of form, um, uh, easy run of fixtures. Sorry, um, locomotive away. Uh, I don't know what it is. Locomotive slightly irritate me this season um, because I just don't know why they are still so high up the table. They've they've not really properly convinced me that they've turned a corner on performance. A lot of games they picked up points when really they've not overrun the opponents. And I guess maybe okay. I have my hands up. Maybe that is a sign of a good side when you're playing perhaps not so impressively and still picking up points. Fair enough. So that that locomotive away game, I know it sounds weird, but I actually would target that game. Um, you know, locomotive, of course, are playing uh, Europa League uh, tonight. In fact, they're kicking off. They've just kicked off uh, <laughs> when we record this. Um, so they've got less time to recover for that game. Um, Scar at home, they they have to be winning that game, and it's no disrespect to Scar, but just simply Krasnodar are a better side. There's no disputing it, so you've got to win those games. But like you mentioned, they they are tough to beat. They do have a determination about them, so that could turn into a banana skin. That one, Tosno on good form, and then Spartak at home. <sighs> well, it's it's hard to see where those points are coming. Um, I think, realistically, Locomotive should be picking up points. Um, Skarhabalos, definitely. Tosna, if they get a draw, but they perform well, I would accept that. Um, and then when you get to Spartak, well, it de- it's that's going to be tough, if I'm honest. Um, but, you know, those are the games you've got to be winning if you want to be Champions League quality. So, in the end, they've got to, but I don't think they will be Spartak. So, uh, they're certainly going to drop more points in the coming weeks, I think. I know I said I wanted to sort of round off the uh, Krasnodar topic, sorry, but I've got, I've got, just popped another question in my head. You've both effectively called for the sacking of Shalimov. Am, am I fair in saying that? I'd consider it, and certainly. Toki, that's, that's the way you're going as well, isn't it? Let's be honest. Well, second the head coach, well, yeah, definitely. I, I think the, the sooner the better, really, because... Earlier, Krasnodar, you could really see there was a sense, you could, you could see what they wanted to do. They they really had some very visible tactics, and, and you could see, okay, this is a team who are really good on the ball, they're really fast in the in the, in the attacks, but right now it's like they're in east and west and just trying to find something that works, and there's no real identity of the team anymore, and yeah, it, it's time to try something new, because what they're doing right now is definitely not working. So with that being the case, my question to both of you, this is always the same question that comes out when people call for sacking managers. Who would come in to replace him? And I'll come to you first, Andrew. Um, very good question, um, to be honest. And that, that's why I'm saying I would probably only consider it. I don't know really what, um, what coaches are of sufficient quality to make it worthwhile sacking him uh, who are actually available, as especially at this time of the season. Um, I mean, Shalimov has experience from his playing days. And yes, he doesn't have a deep coaching experience, but he's got the facilities, he's got the players. They must have some experienced backroom staff who can at least aid him along the way. And I, I, I'm assuming, I haven't actually checked, I'll be honest, but I'm assuming he has his sufficient UEFA coaching licenses to, you know, he must have gone through the coaching badges. So um, he should be able to turn it around. 
you should be able to. But we, like Token mentioned, though, it's been for a long time, this calendar year, effectively. He's, it's not like he's had no time at all. He has had a chance to bring in some players. Um, and it's not really improved a great deal. Would he? Would they be able to persuade um, a Feniel coach, possibly? Um, I, I don't know. But I, I, th- I think it's hard to know who they would get to replace him. So... That's a tough one. I think he's got a lot to prove, but if if he doesn't, who would they bring in? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Andrew mentions there about the backroom staff. I, th- I think you mentioned that anyway. If you didn't, then I've thought of it. Um, <laughs> anyway, I was going to say, Token, looking at Krasnodar as a club, and I'm going to ask you for a manager pick as well. Are they the sort of club who would promote somebody internally? Well, I mean, it's not the it's not the it's not the the worst idea in the world. I I could see them do that. Surely they have a lot of a lot of talented coaches in the in the youth department. However, I, I really think Krasnodar, I think they should be looking outside of Russia's borders. Um, they have come a long way with some, to be honest, some some limited coaches in Shalimov and, and Kornonov. So I think it's time for them to bring in a real capacity, some, someone who can who really knows how to develop the club, someone who can really give them a big push forward. I know it's it's always risky hiring, for example, a Western coach in Russia because you never really know how they how they'll adapt to, to the league and how they'll adapt to living in Russia, for example, with, uh, with all the problems uh, Bill of Bo- Boas and Senate. But, yeah, the only quick but, thing, the only thing I'd say, Toker, is that Krasnodar's a slight situation. I, you mentioned Zenit. I was actually thinking more of like Hulit and people like that who came to uh, Terek and yeah. people like Angie. And, you know, I was thinking that sort of area. But Krasnodar's a completely different kettle of fish, really. Yeah, but Krasnodar is a very well-run club and it's... Uh, a very Western club in, in in many perspectives as well. I mean, all the players say they say, "Oh, well, this is nothing like the rest of the Russian clubs." So I think they could definitely go with a, a Western coach with without have, facing too many problems. And I really see them. I really like to see them bring in someone big because I don't I don't I don't think there are any Russian coaches who can really develop the club and and bring them to closer to the top. Unless of course they could get like a guy like Slutsky or something, but that's that's unrealistic at the moment. So. I, I really hope for them to go re- to go for a big foreign name or at least someone from the outside with some fresh ideas, some fresh eyes on, on Russia and some fresh eyes on the club instead of just bringing in more of the same. Okay, so, I mean, Krasnodar's certainly one that we'll be keeping on for the next few weeks, just see how they go, see if Shalimov actually does get the boot in the end. So certainly keep an eye on, on that for the uh, Russian football fans. Finally, just a quick thing, quick last topic, really. Um, Konstantin Sarsanya, sporting director at Zenit, of course, uh, has sadly died a couple of weeks ago. Um, Toka, you put a great piece up on the website about him. But, Andrew, I'm going to come to you first. I mean, he was really a big part of Zenit's success in sort of 2007-8, really, bringing a lot of those players in. We saw Timoshuk coming, Lombards and Shirokov and people like that coming in, who were the backbone to that Zenit side, who were so successful in sort of the late 2000s. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact that he... He's so, so well. He was so fondly remembered, and he will continue to be so. Um, but it's it's quite easy to forget that he actually wasn't there as a director for very long. He was only there for what three years, I think it was two thousand what six to two thousand and nine, um, and then of course he came back to the club. Um, was it last summer? I think it was. So the fact that he had so much effect in such a short time, and and earned so much respect across the whole across the whole league, I think says it all really. Um, I mean, I, you know, Gazprom millions came in and you could argue that 
in the end, with that sort of backing, with the, you know, the effectively a monopoly on a four million population city, that success was always going to come their way. But the fact, the fact is, he was the man who did it. Um, uh, and he did it before Zanip had built up the reputation where they could then go and get players of the quality of Axel Witzel, of Ezekiel Garay, of Hulk. Those players wouldn't have come had they been at the same stage of their careers 10 years earlier or, or seven, eight years earlier. And Sasani was, was crucial to that. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, yeah, what a tragedy it was to hear that. And um, I just, I hope that the legacy of him will be that Zanit will continue to bring in sensible players, make decent transfers that, you know, whether they, you know, big players, whether they're young potential players or whether they already have a reputation, that, that play for the club in the right way and bring it forward. So that's what I hope. But, um, yeah, what a legacy to have in such a short time, right? Yeah, I mean, Toko, coming back more to this season, I mean, obviously he was only there very briefly this season. But we spoke a lot in the last few months about Zenit sort of bringing a lot of average foreign players. And we talked about that sort of fishing trawler metaphor. But this season, there was a, there was a big change in that. And Sarasanya was, was the head of that, the figure of that change. Yeah, he really, he solved the same problem as we, as, as, uh, as we did. I mean, he saw, OK, well, since we have way too many average foreigners, we have brought in too many players who don't really elevate the level of the squad, who, just, who are just more of the same. People, players who are really just average. And as he said that, okay, we need players who, the foreigners, they need to be able to lift the level of the squad, which is why he brought in, for example, Driussi and Paredes and all the great players we've seen since the end of the season. But he also uh, very well understood the importance of that local foundation, of, of having players who knew what Senate was about, who knew what kind of club it was, what St. Petersburg is for a city, all these things that you can only know when you're have been in a club for a long time if you've grown up in the in the local area and stuff like this. And and that's why we saw him playing in guys like Kushayev and, and Terenchev. And especially the former was I mean, Kushayev has been amazing this season. In my opinion, the best signing so far this summer, uh, or all summer. And yeah, it really just it, it was the same he did the last time when he brought in okay, they got these great foreigners. For example, he bought Danny but he also saw that, okay, well, we need to have a Russian and, and a local foundation. So they've got, got guys like Shirokov and Suryanov and fanta- simply fantastic Russian players. And yeah, I mean, it, it really is a shame that that he won't be around to to see how, how great this in the team he, he began building will be in the future. Because it already, already right now, it, it looks like it looks special. And yeah, it, it is tragic. So, uh, of course, our thoughts at Russian Football News go to the friends and family of uh, Konstantin Sarsanya. And uh, on that sort of rather horrible end, really, uh, just a quick thing about Russian football news in general. Of course, we always do this at the end of the show. Um, just so let you know where you can follow us. Of course, do subscribe to this podcast on uh, iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Russ Football News, Russian Football News on Facebook, uh, at Russ Football News on Instagram. We've also got Russian Football News at Contact Your Page. And um, Andrew, talking about the Facebook page there, just a, a quick word on predictions, Lee. Yeah, Predictions League is going, going well. Um, Martin Lowe, our writer, is running away with it at the moment. So come on, guys, we need to up our game and, and reel Martin in. But um, we've, um, yeah, I'd just like to mention as well, um, we've got the Predictions Cup coming up, um, a new one in the, sum, uh, in the spring, sorry. Um, and I'm mentioning it now because I want people to, 
if you if you fancy it, just have a go at the predictions league. You can join in, and it's it's great fun. It's dead easy. All you've got to do predict the games each week. Um, so it's going pretty well. Um, and I'll be asking people for their predictions. I already have, um, but we need more for this week. So get involved, guys. And also another thing, uh, Toker, I'm going to come to you for this, is uh, what particular pieces on the website uh, uh, would you promote on this podcast? We have some great stuff coming. We have some uh, fantastic historical pieces on the... Well, for example, we have an article coming on the Lushniki disaster. It's the 25th anniversary of the worst stadium disaster in, in Russia uh, on Friday, tomorrow, uh, Friday the 20th. And we have an article coming on um, Nikita Simonyan, the like the godfather of Russian football, Spartak legend, Russian football legend in general. So, yeah, there are some really interesting features coming in the in the next couple of days. So definitely check in. Perfect. And uh, just to finish off our personal social media handles, mine on Twitter is Thomas underscore Giles underscore UK. That's Thomas underscore Giles, which is G-I-L-E-S underscore UK. Um, Toka, yours? Well, it's at Toka Thielade. That's T-O-K-E-T-H-E-I-L-A-D-E. Perfect. And Andrew, yours? Uh, mine's at Andrew M-I-J Flint. Okay, perfect. And actually, Andrew, just a quick thing I'm going to mention to you that you need to talk about here is a couple of things because it comes from my question is are you at any games this weekend and I'm also going to talk about the newsletter I thought you might you'll get a bit of a bigger insight into that for us yeah no actually the newsletter is a great one because for people who are sort of 50 50 are looking to get a bit more interested in Russian football um, and find out it's a really great way to keep in touch with um, what's going on on the website and what's uh, what stories we're covering we always recommend uh, a new article, at least one or two from the last week, and a bit of information on the predictions league as well. Um, and yeah, I do I do a, a few paragraphs on what's been going on in the Russian game. So all you've got to do is go to the Facebook page, the Russian Football News. Just search Russian Football News in Facebook, um, and drop us an email address into the direct message um, function, and say you would like to be join the newsletter. We'll add you, and you'll get an issue every week. Perfect. Are you, are you anywhere this weekend, Andrew? Um, well, I actually put in the newsletter that I'd be going to Yekaterinburg on Sunday for the Akhmat Grozny game, but unfortunately, um, I, I'm i a freelance writer and a lot of my freelance jobs are not paying me on time, so I actually can't afford to go, unfortunately, so Man, I won't start, be going you anywhere. Start, you need to start crowdfunding or something. <laughs> I should do. It's a valid cause as well, I'll tell you. Yekaterinburg football. Who have you met two men got at the weekend? Chumen uh, are away from home. I forget who we're playing. Actually, I oh, know. I think we're playing Zenit Dubal. Actually, yeah. on oh, no, Earth, two weeks time. Away from home, anyway. This weekend. Anyway, th- thanks again, guys. Really fantastic podcast, as per usual. Thanks again, Toker and Andrew. Like I said before, do subscribe to this podcast and make sure you check out the website RussianFootballNews.com, Russian Football News Twitter, Russian Football News Facebook, and we will see you on the next podcast in a couple of weeks' time. Идет футбольный матч, летит на поле мяч.